Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 2 Samuel chapter 10 from the World English Bible. After this, the king of the children of Ammon died, and Hanan his son reigned in his place. David said, I will show kindness to Hanan the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent by his servants to comfort him concerning his father. David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon. But the princes of the children of Ammon said to Hanan their lord, Do you think that David honors your father, and that he has sent comforters to you? Hasn't David sent his servants to you to search the city, to spy it out, and to overthrow it? So Hanan took David's servants, shaved off one half of their beards, and cut off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. When they told David this, he sent to meet them, for the men were greatly ashamed. The king said, Wait at Jericho until your beards have grown, and then return. When the children of Ammon saw that they had become odious to David, the children of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians of Beth-Rehob and the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 footmen, and the king of Maacah with 1,000 men, and the men of Tob, 12,000 men. When David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the army of the mighty men. The children of Ammon came out and put the battle in array at the entrance of the gate. The Syrians of Zobah and of Rehob and the men of Tob and Maacah were by themselves in the field. Now when Joab saw that the battle was set against him before and behind, he chose of all the choice men of Israel and put them in array against the Syrians. The rest of the people he committed into the hand of Abishai his brother, and he put them in array against the children of Ammon. He said, If the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the children of Ammon are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be courageous and let's be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. And may Yahweh do what seems good to him. So Joab and the people who were with him came near to the battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. When the children of Ammon saw that the Syrians had fled, they likewise fled before Abishai and entered into the city. Then Joab returned from the children of Ammon and came to Jerusalem. When the Syrians saw that they were defeated by Israel, they gathered themselves together. Hadadezer sent and brought out the Syrians who were beyond the river, and they came to Helam, with Shobak the captain of the army of Hadadezer at their head. David was told that, and he gathered all Israel together, passed over the Jordan, and came to Helam. The Syrians set themselves in array against David and fought with him. The Syrians fled before Israel, and David killed 700 charioteers of the Syrians and 40,000 horsemen, and struck Shobach, the captain of their army, so that he died there. When all the kings who were servants to Hadadezer saw that they were defeated before Israel, they made peace with Israel and served them. So the Syrians were afraid to help the children of Ammon any more. 
That is the end of chapter 10. I'm going to talk about some of the details of this account, and then I'm going to offer some suggestions for why it matters. First of all, David had been on good terms with this guy Hanan's father, so there really seems like no good reason for the the men, his advisors, to distrust David. It reminds me of the young advisors to Solomon's heir, Rehoboam, how they told him to raise taxes when the older, wiser advisors told him not to. And it seems like an example of worldly, selfish wisdom that leads to misunderstanding and conflict. And the insults were unnecessary for self-defense. They were just arrogant and mean-spirited. Regarding the insult, you don't have to have any particular insight into their culture beyond the narrative to understand how humiliating this was for these men, and that it was chosen to be a very bad insult. And David's response makes it clear how bad it was. The insult addressed was aimed at two areas, their faces and their nakedness two main areas to emphasize their disrespect for David. And I I can't imagine these men just timidly went to the barber or to someone with scissors upon being told to do so. It seems very likely that there was some brutality involved in doing this to them. Now, obviously, their beards take time to grow, but regarding their clothes, they had to approach the nearest Israeli city to get covering. Until then, they all had to suffer embarrassment just being together, Possibly they pulled together some rugs or blankets, but it's not like there was a department store they could just stop by on the way home. At least that's not the impression that you get in the biblical scheme of things. Maybe one man found some sort of something to wrap himself, to cover himself in, um, so that he could go to the nearest town to represent all of them and say, please help us with this situation. But whatever happened when they got back to the Israelite borders and sent word to David, I think it is good to recognize just how difficult this was for them. Then, to top it all off, this new king of Ammon takes preemptive military action. It's like an example of how to take a bad decision and make things much, much worse. I've heard people rationalize like this in my lifetime and say things like, well, I did this and it was really bad, but now I don't have any choice but to do this other stupid thing. Or to summarize, People do stupid things when they make decisions that aren't based on God's principles. Then there are the numbers listed of the number of men in battle, 20,000 and 1,000 and 12,000. These seem like sizable numbers for local armies that are limited in how much they can transport across distances. Then we have Joab and all the army of the mighty men. David's mighty men become quite famous, and they are listed specifically in 1 Chronicles chapters 11 through 12, if you want to look at that. And verse 13 of this chapter here gives a picture of the Syrians just seeing them coming and then fleeing, and then Ammon flees also, makes one wonder why they were trying to go to battle. But the Syrians do try again, and Hadad Ezer comes up. Uh, He was in chapter 8. Now, if you look carefully at chapter 8, when it says David struck Hadad Ezer, it's talking about it like he struck his armies. It does not mention that he particularly killed Hadad Ezer. But in this chapter, it does specifically mention that Hadad Ezer's captain, Shobach, got killed. So now Hadad-Ezer is even more subdued and his allies are turning to David. We know from things that are said in the New Testament that for one thing, Jesus said that all the law and the prophets point to him and also that the things are written here for our benefit. 
But what is specifically the point of telling about all these battles? I think that there are four possible things that we can learn from this. One, it is a history of the people that God has chosen through whom to bring his son into the world. And as a history, it points us to the truth and the reality of what he's doing. Having these kinds of details can also be used to validate the Bible, and it has been done many times. It also gets us out of our own heads and our immediate struggles to look at the bigger picture of what God is doing. And David is a key figure in prophecy, and this emphasizes his real existence and the reality of the promises given to him, which end up benefiting us. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 